Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105 Through the Fan in Dallas. That is your radio flagship home of the Dallas Cowboys. Joined, as always, by former Super Bowl winning NFL scout and, and former Dallas Cowboys scout, uh, Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday. Uh, you can catch him on 105 through the fan there, and you can also catch him as the pre and post game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys radio network. And Brian, uh, I was about to say, how are you doing? But I, I'm going to ask instead, you, you seem, you seem put out by, by the long bio that you have. I see you just said, oh yeah, get through it. Let's get through it. Let's finish my bio. I never get to introduce you as like, and this is Bob, my, my partner here, Bobby Belt. Who is uh, on professional, uh, professional slap dick? Yeah, who's on Sean and RJ? Who is on the NFL Network? Who is on uh, everything that you ever imagine? Uh, Dallas Cowboys related. Bobby Belt is part of that, and uh, and a very very capable host. If you haven't <laughs> learned by now, uh, here on Love of the Star. So, they are the, Bobby, well, I- how are you doing today? I I'm doing great. Uh, playoffs, baby. Cowboys are in the playoffs. That's the headline coming out of this weekend, I think, is that the Cowboys are in the playoffs. Certainly nothing else relating to just absolutely, you know, essing the bed there in uh, Jacksonville in the final 25 minutes. Uh, final 20 minutes of regulation, then the five minutes of overtime. 
I, I guess, you know, we can just start with the broad sweep. I know you've got a chance to see the film. Uh, I was at, in Jacksonville in the locker room, gathered a, a bunch of different thoughts. But your your main takeaway coming out of this game, Brian? You know, Bobby, we talked about how we thought it was going to be a tight game and really thought that maybe both defenses would be under attack in this game. And I, I kind of felt like that early in this game and then some into the third, um, the Jacksonville defense was under attack. And it really wasn't until my turning point of the game, Bobby, and I said this on the Cowboys postgame show, I really felt like that the pass that that Joseph gave up to Jones for the touchdown, I, I felt like yeah. that's where this game really turned. And it, unfortunately for, you know, the Cowboys, unfortunately for the their defense, um, you know, it all of a sudden became a game. And you couldn't really, you know, do anything. And then Jacksonville had all this momentum. And then it wasn't until they got the lead that all of a sudden that, oh, wait a minute, we're playing in a football game here. We need to try and win in order to get into the playoffs or keep, you know, uh, division title hopes alive. Yeah. And, you know, Dak on a great drive. But I really, really felt like that once that ball went past Joseph on the double move, it was game on from that point on and uh, give Jacksonville a lot of credit. Everybody out there knows that uh, I'm friends with Doug Peterson. Uh, You know, trust me, I wasn't pulling for Doug Peterson this game. I wanted the Dallas Cowboys to have an opportunity to play for the division title. Uh, But I thought that Doug uh, did a great job. He's got a, he's got a a young quarterback that he's really kind of figured things out. And yeah, they're a good football team. ATN, uh, you know, what they were able to do on offense, the the scheme that they have. People have kind of figured out about playing the Cowboys. Don't let them rush the passer. And even though when they had opportunities to rush the passer, they couldn't get Trevor Lawrence on the ground. And I think that when you go back and when everybody has a chance out there to watch the All-22, you're going to see several times where you're going, damn, damn, they got damn. They, you know, and you're going to keep yeah. saying that to yourself because there were opportunities there to end this game in regulation. And then there were also opportunities to put the Jaguars away there, you know, well before that. So uh, it's interesting. You, you point to that turning point there at uh, the, the throw to Zay Jones, the 59 yard touchdown, which in a lot of ways, this felt like it mirrored the green Bay meltdown. You had a, like, you know, a, a big time performance from a receiver who had been struggling, uh, struggling with drops, I might add. Right. St. Jones and Christian Watson both had that issue. <clears throat> both of them break out six catches over 100 yards, three touchdowns, um, and ultimately force a game into overtime and, you know, come out with the victory on top. I want to talk about a, a specific play uh, before we dive into, you know, a lot of the, the, bigger takeaways from this, but I'm curious for your thoughts on this because I don't know how much discussion has been about this. I thought Dak played really, really great, actually, for most of the day. Um, like, like, I mean, sure, he had a throw here or there, but I I, I don't think that it was... I, I think he cleaned up a lot of the things that have concerned us the last two weeks. I think he looked really good for the most part. One of the issues I had yesterday, and I, I was 
internally screaming my head off. You can't scream your head off in the press box. They will take you out of there. It's a working, uh, it's a working environment. You cannot cheer or scream either that's, one. That's what I had to tell Joe Trahan uh, from Cowboys PR when he was cheering when Argentina scored. I told him, I said, this is a working press box. You are not allowed to cheer. They will take you out of here. Um, but the, uh, I was watching that third and three when they were up 24 to 10 and he throws the ball down the sideline to Pollard. Made a decent throw, ultimately falls complete. It looked like he had Noah Brown for the first down underneath. And I was watching the play. As, as I saw it develop, I was going, oh, he's going to hit Noah Brown. It's going to be – and then I saw him throw the ball downfield. I was like, what? what's happening? Was that Dak getting too greedy? Is that one of the few mistakes he made? Because I feel like you've got the easy first down. They keep the drive alive. Maybe they score a touchdown. They run more clog off. They put this out of reach. Ultimately, drive ends there. They kick a field goal. Jacksonville comes back, scores real quick, and everything snowballs from there. Man, I'll tell you what, you hit the nail on the head because that thing opened up just beautifully. Yeah, you you know, you get the route up the sidelines, and that's that's Dak playing hero ball right there. If he yeah. just if he just hits Noah Brown running across the field, that thing's up the field, it's a first down. You know, now you're knocking on the door of putting that game really away for the Cowboys. So I felt like there were a couple of different times where he got a little greedy, and you're absolutely right there. That ball needs to be thrown underneath and then work from there. And uh, overall, I thought it was a pretty decent day. I know you uh, – I, I give him a, a little bit more of a pass on the interception, the first one, because there there was a defender. I think it was Dwayne Smoot or somebody had had an arm that was pulled on his bicep. And that makes sense to me why the ball sailed as far as it did. But but you had an issue actually with the double clutch. And I know Mike McCarthy had talked about the fact that he thinks Dak needs to just get rid of the ball in that scenario. Right, right. Um, but overall, what were your thoughts on – what did you see on that play breaking down and, and what you think Dak should have done on that play? Yeah, first I, I think it was once again, Bobby, one of those times where they didn't pick up the twist particularly well. And that was to the side of uh, – of Jason Peters. And so, you know, at that right side, so you got Dak moving to his right and Peters really, he's trying to kind of control his guy and he's really not. And so now what happens is he's moving to his right and he's got Schultz sitting in front of him. Now you and I have had this discussion before, in a commander's game when he threw the ball right to Holcomb where he never saw the linebacker. Just yeah. great shot, and now it's it's a problem, you know. And so here he is, Jaguar defender between him and, and really Schultz, and the defender is still where you can maybe see the flash of the black jersey, just that color he saw. And it's like he he takes it and he pulls it down. He's going to he's loaded it down. So then he tries to recock, and then that's when the guys falling, guys grabbing, and then the ball goes high. Schultz had settled down to give him a shot. The flash of the color from the end zone is already past him left, and so if. He he throws the ball, it's likely a it's likely a, a catch and going forward. And 
you know, that type of play. But once he double pumps and then he tries to re-cock it or reload, that's really when everything starts to fall apart for him and then the ball goes high. So it was, uh, yeah, you could take a sack, throw it away, throw it in the ground, live to fight another day. But that's that's not Dak's M.O., you know? It's just that's what we're learning about Dak, and here we are seven years into it. <laughs> Dak doesn't want to give up on plays. Yeah. He just doesn't want to give up on a play. And he saw Schultz open much like he thought he saw Tony Pollard open down the sidelines. Yeah. You know? It just wasn't there. And uh, he got a little greedy. And I- I'm telling you, when you watch the All-22 – you will see him take the ball, think about it, pull it down, and then retry it again. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So those were the the two plays to me that that stuck out as as ones that you can really question um, in terms of where I thought you, you can make a legitimate argument that that, that was just a bad play. Uh, outside of that, because I do think there's a little bit of a narrative that people just see two interceptions, they see them blow a lead, and there's this default to go to well, Dak Prescott played terribly. I saw an article from Deadspin today that goes, this is more proof Dak doesn't have it, blah, blah. I personally thought, and again, the, I know everybody likes to say I'm the Dak homer, um, but I thought he, outside of those two plays, I thought he played excellent. What, what were your thoughts in general, the the thousand-foot view of how Dak played as a whole? Well, I'll tell you what. It, at halftime, I remember visiting with Zach Wolchuk on the Cowboys, you know, the halftime show after that, and, I believe Dak was 15 to 16 at that yeah. point in time. And I'm sitting there going, man, can he be any better? You know, I mean, the way this thing was rolling, uh, the receivers were helping him, the tight ends, the backs, the running game, everything was really coming together. They were rotating the offensive linemen. That was kind of, you know, it was looking okay with Tyron Smith over there. And, you know, you just couldn't imagine him playing any better. And, you know, the second half came, and, and, and Dallas gets these points in time at games where they just they lose the consistency or they lose that that ability to finish. And uh, in the first half, they're just, you know, you talk about slow starts, fast starts, and, you know, but then they get in these points in time of the game where they just they lull, and then all of a sudden lull turns into punt, punt, and then it turns into turnover, uh, another punt, a turn. You know, you're just like, where's the consistency? And I, I think that's the biggest issue. And I think it starts, it starts with the play caller, and then it goes to the quarterback, and then ultimately what happens is the team has those inconsistencies in it, and everything that was working, every little pass and run and block and motion and play call everything that that worked for a half it looks like they've never run a play in their life you know things happen things break down and then ultimately though they're they're in a ball game you know people are now chasing they're chasing points and yeah 
then it's like, oh, wait, we've got to come back in this game. Well, here we go. Now, you know, wait, they played cover two the whole game. Well, let's just shred cover two now, you know? And, you know, that's that's really how this uh, this Cowboy offense and, you know, it's the quarterback. And like I said, he sometimes he does things that he shouldn't do. And then other times he makes some of the most damnedest throws you'll ever see in your life. And you're going, you know, that the spin out touchdown that they scored on with uh, yeah. Noah Brown. I mean, that's spinning out of a problem and running left and throw into a guy who's coming back for the ball. You know, that's yeah. you're like not many quarterbacks in the league have that kind of ability. And that's the thing that's a little maddening when you watch the Cowboys offensively is they're capable of doing stuff like that every snap. They're just not consistent enough doing it. What happened in from what you saw on tape? What happened to the running game in the second half? Because they 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 were they were getting they were having some success. They couldn't get anything going in the second half. And I'll dovetail for a second. I I have an issue with I was I was texting Jane Slater, our our friend uh, from NFL Network. I was texting her about this. I mentioned it this morning on Sean and RJ. Um, I feel like Kellen Moore doesn't have a great feel for the flow of games like he's it's almost he just has this rigidity of like this is what I'm going to call and this is what we're going to do and there are times where it's like I I felt like you couldn't stop the passing attack yesterday for the first three quarters yeah I heard you this morning on the radio talking about that that like why are you running the ball 20 something times when they haven't stopped you throwing the ball yet kind of a thing yeah yeah and I mean why are you why are you running a stretch run to Zeke for one and a, a trying to do a jet sweep to CD for one? And then, okay, now it's third and eight. And now you overthrow Noah Brown and you're punting. Yeah. And then there are other times where it's maddening where you're like, all right, this is clearly a situation to run the ball. And then you're throwing it. It, it just seems like that he doesn't have a great sense for, and obviously we're, we're, I know we're armchair quarterback in here, but it feels at times like he doesn't have a great sense for, for the flow and the temperature of the game. But that that's kind of a, a side topic. Primarily, they they I believe had 21 carries for like 95 yards in the first half, perfectly efficient. Second half, I think it was 17 carries for for like 50 yards. I mean, it, they were they were under three yards a carry, I believe. Uh, what did you see on tape that that happened with the running game? Yeah, I mean, there were there were there were some opportunities where they had the seven man box, you know, and they just didn't do a very good job of point of attack block. And, you know, again, it was that change the offensive line, you know, was there consistency with, you know, Jason Peters? Let's, let's be honest, Bobby, to me, Tyron Smith is your starter at right tackle. Yeah. Ball is his backup at right tackle. Jason Peters needs to be the backup at left tackle and don't mess with it the rest of the day. J- Jason but, Peters played bad football. He did. Time. He did play bad football yesterday. And, and a little bit of it was, you know, I, I think because he's a 40-year-old guy. Sure. You know, I think there were some times where, you know, that it it wasn't as clean as it was. I mean, in the Houston game, it was all about throwing the football. It's pass yeah. set, pass set, pass set. In this game, you had to run run the football. And, you know, I'm not going to say that they sat there and loaded the box and you couldn't run the ball. Because there were several times where it wasn't, you know, there were times where they would put trips to one side and try and hand the ball off inside, taking guys out and still couldn't run the ball there. So um, 
I just think that that you were in a you were in a bad bad shape when Jason Peters was on the field, when especially when it came to running the football. You know, you just didn't get the movement or the combinations or the athletic play that you get new normally from the center. I mean, there were times, like I said, when uh, you know they would. They were trying to get the ball into a, you know, off off the edge and all that, and he, yeah. I mean, he's just he's struggling with the block. They're struggling. They can't get the cutoff. You know, all these things start to happen. And but I, I honestly, I think you have that correct corrected now, Bobby. When you and I were on the uh, the G Bag Nation, when you came on for your spot, yeah, uh, at five thirty, we were talking about the, you know, that situation with the offensive line. You know, you. You've got your right tackle now. You've got yep. your right guard. You got your center. You got your left guard, and you got your left tackle. Just go to battle with that. I don't see any more reasons, you know, unless you want to give Tyler Smith a blow, you know, a, during a game to kind of keep Jason Jason Peters in, engaged. I don't see any reason any longer to, to shuttle out these offensive linemen. I really, really don't. Uh, last question here uh, before we transition to some of the discussion about, uh, you know, corner and, and what's going on with Kelvin Joseph now. Uh, I'm curious, one more play I want to isolate that's not getting a lot of discussion, I think. An opportunity at the end of the first half. Uh, Dak hits Pollard on a swing pass. They pick up a first down, get a couple more plays, set themselves up on third and one, and they run this uh, odd pitch, option. option yeah. pitch. And, and uh, I can't remember who the defender was there that was – it may have been Devin Lloyd. I don't remember. But somebody was right there, swallowed up Pollard, n- minus six. What did you think about that? Did you have any thoughts on that specific play design, how that was executed? And was that a missed opportunity? I mean, if they pick up that first down, you're talking about even more points going into halftime. It's one of those plays we like to say is cute. But if you watch overtime – they did it to Pollard for 20 yards. They came yeah. back and ran. Yeah. They ran the same play. And it's like Kellen Moore, like you're talking about, Bobby, flow of the game. It's like, oh, wait, I just had a minus, minus seven on this play. Yeah. And so I'm going to go ahead and later when I need overtime yards, what do I do? I run it to Pollard for 20. Run it back. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I – I thought yesterday was there was some really some creative times with Kellen Moore. I mean, I don't have a pro. I mean, I'm one of these guys that like, hey, attack the line on third and one. Don't take the what, ball what, away. What from happened the line. then there? Did did Jacksonville just have it read clean, or did somebody they, they read it clean? But I'll tell you another thing: they ran counters, Dallas round counters, and didn't block block the backside, the backside end, and they and the the crash end was killing them on some plays. Now I. Don't know, you know. Do you do you you step down and turn back? I, you know, maybe you're thinking, oh, that guy. Unless you pull the ball and run behind that, that guy is always going to just keep crashing on you. And and maybe that's where when you got in that situation where the Cowboys were trying to figure out on that third down to kill the clock, maybe not on third down, but to me, to me. A really, really good call would have been that, that whole, that flow, that counter flow, and then boot Dak and throw to throw to the tight end for nine yards. So now it's second and one, clock's running, oh, timeout. 
Now you run the ball, first down, timeout. They run the ball again, timeout. Now the game's over. You know, now the game is legitimately over. If you're the Cowboys on on that sequence where you're trying to, you get the negative for three, you get the gain of like four, you know, and then you're like in third and 10 or whatever it was, you know, you, you gain, you know, you lose three, you gain three, yeah. and now it's third and 10. So throwing the ball down the field, if you were going to, the way I would have done it myself, and I was saying this to Zach Wolchek, on those in that situation, throw on first down. If you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna throw it all, if you're gonna throw it all, throw on first down and go hard play action, boot it, and then throw the easy ball to Dal- uh, to Dalton Schultz for nine yards. Keep the clock moving. They're burning timeouts. You run, get a first down. Now they're burning more timeouts. Game's over. Like I said, so to me, that's you know, it's not run, run, then throw. It's Throw, run, run, kill the game is what yeah. it is. You gotta if you're gonna throw the ball at all in that in that situation in that series, you gotta throw it on first down because they're expecting you to try and run clock. That's what they're expecting you to do. Yeah. And so I thought a couple of his calls were a little bit, you know, the 50-50 ball to Noah Brown to me is not a good call. 50-50 ball to Michael Gallup, I think, is a better call. Because ball, I mean, I've seen Michael Gallup go up, high point ball, get ball. And I've also seen Michael Gallup draw pass interference penalties going up for the ball. Because he's going up and the and the defensive back gets all tangled up with him. That, to me, personnel, call, man, all that stuff was a little little wonky in this game. You're for, that, for that situation. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 